every once in a while, an audio engineer on a podcast does this just like once they, they try this experiment of having like one character coming out of the left earphone and the other character, the other host coming out of the right earphone because they think, oh, that'll be sort of an As interesting. As if you're sitting between them in the middle of this lovely. <laughs> Everybody with headsets that has to listen to that podcast then goes berserk. Yeah. They go absolutely It's like a berserk. tennis match. They're like, I can't even listen to this. The worst. Yeah, it's like a particular, there was a Beatles uh, song. That yeah, you sometimes find songs like that too. Yeah, the, Be- the Beatles experiments with that. Everybody tries that thinking that that's the way stereo works and it's not pinball wizard is like well that. it's okay if you have speakers some instruments are all on one side so. you have the speaker it's just incredibly rare that you ever hear something only in one ear right right it, it and it, and it, it freaks you out because exactly. you're like what is going on with my other ear it doesn't that doesn't happen in real life so you can't you can't do it in a podcast like this one the stack exchange podcast episode 37 Today's podcast, right. this is, boy, you thought last week was this good. This week, we landed a 757 on the Hudson River. Here to tell you that story is Stack Exchange Vice President of Community slash Growth, Jay, Jay Hanlon. I, I now go by Captain Vice President. No, that's I, I didn't land anything. Hello, hello. And uh, Vice President of Technological Engineering. David. David Fullerton. You want to be Sully, David? You can be called Sully if you want. Mm. Captain Sully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is... Really, this podcast is going to suck. If you're listening now, just turn it off. It's just... <laughs> it's the worst podcast we've ever done, except for all the others. Fair warning. No, no. Compared to last week, where we actually had exciting news and stories, and, and it was like, ah, it's so exciting, and then we did this, and we did that. I, I don't know. There was fuel was carried. Unless, hypothetically, the yeah. reason you listen to the podcast is to hear about Stack Exchange. In which case... Just, just turn it off This now. may be the podcast for you. What's on the agenda? What's new this week, David? Anything happened this week in the Stack Exchange world? Uh, yeah, a couple things. I thought we could talk about the review queue a little bit. So this is at uh, any site slash review if you have enough reputation to see it. All right, I'm going to do Stack Overflow review. Okay, what's, what's the rep level, David? The rep level, it depends on the site because ah. it's different for Stack Overflow and sense. the rest of the network. However much reputation I have, I've got six different things. I got I got the 52.9 thousand flows of it that I could review. Yeah, so Stack Overflow hasn't... The, the only interesting thing here that's new on, on uh, Stack Overflow and on all of them is the reopen queue. Wait, why are the people moving? Oh, yeah, it's real time now. That's People crazy. doing reviews as you watch. Oh, man. Like, these people Wait, are so, actually reviewing. So if I do a review, Correct. people can see me while that's happening? Your avatar. They can see you sitting at your desk. Yes, that's really that's cool. That's really creeping me. This, Whoa, this is worse than I just got friends. a review from Blue Triangle Guy. Yeah, with lots of little triangles. So anyway, the, uh, the, the reopen queue is new, which is just the reverse of the closed queue which uh, which is something we've been, well, ever since we had the closed queue, people wanted a reopen queue. It has nothing. But I can look at well, the history. Well, I think that the, this is a, this is, I think there's a good, there's a good step here in the right direction, which is uh, we know there's not huh. a great path for those r- relatively rare cases when questions get closed that um, maybe shouldn't be or could be saved or could be edited, et cetera. And I think uh, the notion behind the reopen queue is that the ones that do get a reopen vote, this will then make, help other people to see it and potentially jump in to agree and get it reopened. I think the thing we know right now that is still a challenge, then there aren't that many that should be, is it's relatively rare that it even gets the first reopen vote that would put it into the queue. That, that doesn't happen as often as um, uh, oh, so perhaps wait, it might. The reopen queue, the, the, all right, a post gets closed. Yep. 
Does it then go into the reopen queue? No. 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 It has to get one reopen. It has to get one reopen. Right. And then it goes into the reopen queue in hopes that more people will chime in. Right. So this gives questions a way better chance of ever getting reopened where they didn't before. Basically, before it was almost none because uh, the odds of somebody else finding the question and voting to reopen it only happened if you managed to get it on Hacker News or something. uh, Yeah. But now, if if somebody looks at it who has enough reputation and uh, they vote to reopen it, now it will get... It will stay in the reopen queue until it's either been decided. What's this little, uh, this little thermometer here on the top? It says badge progress. Yeah, that's your progress. To what? To the next badge for reviewing. Oh. It's a count of how many reviews you've done okay. and your progress towards the various so reviews. The first badges. one says custodian and zero or one. Those are my two choices. And I'm at zero out of one. Yeah. So uh, like, like a lot of our things, you get a badge just for doing it once. Free badge. Woohoo. Okay. Just for trying it out. And then civic duty I get for doing it 300 times. Well, those ones are different. So what happens if you do one, that custodian badge will be replaced by the next badge, which uh, I forget the name of it, but it's for doing 250 reviews. Wow. I'm going to review a low quality post. Riveting. Why don't you tell us about the post? I'm going to just say it looks good. It was just a <laughs> bunch of links, so it wasn't Which great. brings us to one of our topics of discussion, <laughs> which is what do we do about all these people who are just going through and clicking looks good on everything <laughs> without even really thinking about it because they want to get a badge. This is exactly uh, the problem we were going to discuss. The first question is what kind of people would do such a thing? And we're, we have a, a data point have, to help, help point us towards the right answer. Okay, yes. so now I've got, yeah, well, this is a problem because it's very easy. I've complained about this already once on this podcast in this forum, which is that I can just sit here and click looks good, looks good, looks good, looks well, good. Well, we fixed that. We're, Why? We're, we've started moving uh-huh. the button around, so it's much, it. it's much harder. Go ahead and try it. Um, you have to wait. There's a little bit of a delay there before you can click it again. I'm going to hit skip. Skip, you can, you can oh, do it immediately. I got to wait a whole second? Three seconds. Oh, God. So it's going to take me 900 seconds to earn my, um, sorry, 750 seconds to earn my reviewer badge? Yes. That's like 15 minutes. That's, that's not fair. Well, you're capped for the day, too. You're, you're capped <laughs> in various ways. So this, so this is the question. Uh, there so is a risk that people there, will there be is evidence not of, entirely. There's definite evidence of people doing this, yeah. uh, of people not trying very hard and just doing looks good. And uh, it's hard to know how do we make that, uh, how do we deal with that without making it so painful to use that nobody does any reviews? Right. That's a good question. We want to incentivize people by giving them little badges, but then again, we don't want to give them badges because then they'll be incentivized. We trick them to do the right thing. Right. What what levels of things attract more fraud? Right. So the we give out badges for some things that we think if we gave out points, people would grind at them constantly. Right. To get more mm-hmm. points. So things like think about upvoted comment. Right. We wouldn't really want to give lots of points for upvoted comments. They're often funnier than they are helpful. For example. Yeah. We give out badges for it because it indicates some generally positive activity, but we don't want to attract a lot of that sort of fraudulent grinding stuff out. And badges seem to attract right. slightly less than that. Gold mining. It's like gold mining. Right. Do you think that their people will do that is actually hire people in China to review low-quality posts? <laughs> no. Like, I'll give you $10 to review a whole bunch of low-quality posts. Well, not for, no. a silver, not for a silver digital badge. Maybe for a gold <laughs> digital badge. Yeah, I'm telling you, gold mining, man. Some other data points. Before we even had the badges, this was already happening just because we showed a number somewhere, right? We showed the number of reviews you'd done, and a few people were in, sufficiently incentivized just by seeing that number going up that they were just reviewing stuff kind of wildly uh, without thinking very hard so this is uh, and this is not new to review reviews just made it a little bit easier to do these things we already had this problem with suggested edits before i mean this might become kind of an escalation arms race type thing but i mean we should be able to do some kind of artificial intelligence machine learning type thing to determine if your reviews are any good 
by looking and seeing how well they correspond to what other people do? Or maybe. Oh, that's the tricky thing because we only have. So let's take suggested edits as an example. So previously, it took three, uh, up to three votes to clear a suggested edit. Two people had to agree. Yeah. You had to get two approved or two reject. So you could get up to three votes on it. Oh, you mean one person? You needed to get two. Yeah. Got it. Uh, we, We upped that on Stack Overflow to five. Sorry, to three. You have to get three to agree. You're saying it takes three in consensus to agree, and as soon yes, as those correct. are the dominant, as soon as that happens, basically, it stops. It's you could achieve five, but the fives... So what I'm saying is on any suggested edit, you can have up to five people voting on it. Right. Which is enough to give you a majority. It's not always clear who's right, though. So if you look back through the history, and I did some of this this week, uh, you see examples of you know, all of the above. You see examples where three people voted to approve and two people rejected, and the people who rejected were right. And you also see plenty of examples where three people voted to approve, no one voted to reject, and it should have been rejected. Um, so it's a bit tricky to, to, to even figure out what data you use for that, right? Like what are you benchmarking against when everybody's doing a bad job? When there's so much noise in the data, yeah, that, that you don't even know what, the, you don't know what the ground truth is. You don't know whether it's, whether it's right or wrong. So one way to establish ground truth is to go in and just do them manually ourselves and say this is well, what good, you this have is to bad, do is... and train on that. But mm. That, that that's hard. You have to have sort of trustworthy reviewers, and then the more you look like a trustworthy reviewer, the more trustworthy you are. And the trustworthy reviewers, we just have to seed that with some people that we trust. Right. So there, so there's some interesting things we could do here. We could look at so suggested edits are hard because there's only two things you can do. Well, you can do approve, reject, or edit. Yeah, improve, which is improve, delete. I don't so, know. So delete does. So one thing we can do there is look at patterns, right? So we can say, look, a good reviewer approves eighty percent of things and rejects twenty percent, or 15% and improves 5%. And so if you're approving 99%, that means you're almost certainly doing something wrong. The question is, what do we then do in that case? Do we warn you, show a message saying, hey, you should reject more? Um, we can't put too much, uh, we, we, can, we can just block you, right? Sorry, no more reviewing for you um, mm-hmm. for a week or a month or something. Um, or we can kind of give you a, a lower limit. You're only allowed to do five. What, what about waiting? Where it's a little bit less of a you're kicked out and it allows you to continue to get better, but where essentially to the extent that whatever method we use to determine that you are doing stinky reviews, your reviews essentially count less as long as that is the case. Yeah, we, we could do that. It's, it's, a, it's um, harder, probably. It's harder, yeah. right? Because right now we're just counting, right? So three approves means it gets through. Right. Um, if we have to, we, we can put a weight on each one and sum it. That just makes it more complicated and... You know, we do something like that with Area 51, and the downside of that kind of system is that it's very opaque to users, yep. right? Nobody's quite sure what is going on here or what I need to do hey, to I get this thing through. I don't know how sure they are and... what's going on here, even when the system's not opaque. Well, <laughs> they're just they're just pushing the buttons, and well, we can we can explain very happens. simply in the yeah. places where you might look that it takes three people to approve, and then you're like, oh, okay, so if three people approve, then it goes through. Um, now, then we have to, you know, if it's a scoring thing, we have to say something more vague, like. If enough people review. I mean, we only have to audit some small percentage statistically to get an idea for how bad this problem is. Right. So our, our users are doing that for us, and they're posting on Meta every few days. Unfortunately, what they're saying is, I found this one suggested edit that got through that shouldn't have. And That's, it's hard um, to treat that. Um, yeah, those should be banned. As any the only thing to do statistical evidence. that makes any sense is to choose 100 at random and look at them. Yeah. Right. Well, so I did, a, I did a bit of just going through in not a terribly scientific way, but it becomes very difficult to detect patterns. You gotta be, it's got to be a ran, actual random yeah, number. Like I said, there are reviews where all three people voted to approve, and it was a terrible edit. In fact, there was one yesterday that was on Meta that was Wait, but you're still funny. giving me anecdotes. 
You just you were just saying these anecdotes are bad, and now you're giving me anecdotes. What if uh, I assume the problem is we have too much of a backlog as it is? But what what if we simply not for suggested edits? Well, so so for some of these, what if we simply dramatically increase the number of people who look at it? In other words, so huh. it just cycles back through the review queue to others till you have a much larger sample. You you mean for a small number for for the purpose of statistically checking those? Like you take a, a, t a small percentage of them, you show them to twenty people instead of three. And then you hope that the 20 people is a much more reliable. But then what do you indicator? do? That's the thing that's I'm not with all clear. Of them. What would you okay. do with that then? Well, you would then find out that it's actually, this is only really a problem for 4% of so it. So here's one interesting thing that we're working on. Oh, so you're just, you're, that would let us define, sorry, David, that would let us define how widespread the problem is. I see, I see, scope the problem. Okay, okay. so sorry, that, it's not clear that that, that that works. If, say, people are wrong, or if 60% of the people are wrong, then just increasing your sample size there is going to, it's still always going to get approved. They're just blindly approving. This is sort of like Yelp. You know, they have some secret model where they decide whether or not you're a trustworthy person writing reviews, and they don't show your review if they've decided that you're not so trustworthy. Right. Ideally, what we want to build is not something that just quietly ignores everything you do. Though, if we have to, then then that's what we'll do. What we'd like to do is teach you, teach you what you're doing wrong, and teach you how you can do it better. Yeah. Um, so we'd like to be able to say, hey, you're just approving everything. You should probably reject in these circumstances. Now, the other thing that we've done for this to, to train you is, um, we haven't done this for suggested edits yet, but we, we're going to. We've done it for other cues is audit tasks. I think we maybe have talk, talked about before. Every once in a while, we toss in a fake item to review uh, for which we know what the correct answer is. Ooh. And then if you do the wrong thing, we yell at you. Is that the... So Wait, we do this already? Yes. Really? For certain cues. There's fake ones? <laughs> yes. Now, now Joel's afraid he's going to get caught. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the what would be an example? <laughs> Let's just say for argument's sake, I got this question. Do you think I would be? So, so it's in like the low quality queue. Um, okay. For example, you get one that is just obviously not low quality. So what we do there is we pick things that have already, you know, a bunch of upvotes and have been around for a while and nobody thinks this is low quality. And we just kind of quietly stick it in there and, uh, and like, see what you Like what's it like to say. program on a boat, for example? would be a good high quality, lots of upvotes. Yes, or we take something that is already closed and see if you hit looks good, uh, in which case we say, hey, probably you're doing something wrong here. So we have these audit tasks, which, uh, which educate users, but they don't, uh, they don't really do anything more than just say, hey, you're, you did something wrong. They don't, uh, they don't cause it you to like stop reviewing. Should, uh, yeah, we might want to turn off your review privileges in that case. There's, there's an important distinction, though, right, we have to make between what part of this problem is people who somehow have achieved this threshold but don't understand what high quality versus low quality is that we hope to redirect this way versus mm -hmm. people that are essentially defrauding or grinding out badges in the system because if you take a guy who's just trying to grind through this badge and just doesn't care and you're like you know what we expect you to hit no five percent of They're the time looking for the next button we next, will next, actually next. be very effectively training him to circumvent each of the controls we identify <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right it's unclear how many of those there are versus just kind of misguided users i don't know how we would tell that tell the difference what we could visit them go we to their house go and assess their judgment like a social services type thing <laughs> Have a, have a little sit down. If we raise the threshold significantly, we'd have big backlogs, right? Raise the threshold for what? To use the review queue. In reputation? Yeah. Yeah, that's been, everybody suggests that first. It, it, it has almost no bearing on it. So the users who are doing bad things, there's plenty of 10,000 rep users doing bad things uh, and plenty of you know, thousand rep users doing good things. Um, it, it seems to have very little correlation. Yeah, We like to think that Got reputation it. is, the problem is that reputation correlates very highly with 
uh, you know, likes fake internet points. <laughs> and, and, and handsomeness. And so somebody who somebody that who participated on our site and valuable and important. Uh, and got to 10,000 reputation is likely to like the game, you know, the type of game mechanics that we use, and therefore they're going to go after the badge. As Joel said, reputation is valuable. I'm envisioning now there, there's now a whole like yeah. Warcraft clan working out of China now grinding for reputation professionally as a yeah. result of that. Gold, gold mining, it's yes. called. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That exists. You can buy one of their accounts and use it to get a job on Careers 2.0 by Stack, <laughs> Stack Overflow. Okay. So this is this is an ongoing conversation on Meta. Um, there, there have been some ideas posted. Uh, you know, we're, we're definitely looking for more ideas, and this is something we're thinking about. I think you're right in saying we... we we're not at all interested in people posting more anecdotes of I found this one thing and it was wrong. Therefore, yeah. please stop. Block all the things. I also think that the um, people think that just taking away the badges will somehow magically fix this. But the truth is, we had this problem before the badges existed. For some reason, people just they enjoy clicking the links. If they, you give they, them, they lots enjoy of seeing links. numbers go up. So I guess we could hide however many of these you've ever done. The last time we had this problem was with um, flag weight. Yeah, Flagway was weird. It was a badly designed game in that case as well because the incentive was to get a perfect score and then never do anything again because anything you did after that could ruin your perfect score. Yeah, that was it was a badly designed Flagway was badly designed. The formula was wrong. What if we had a formula that was basically like your review quality? You know, it was sort of showed you how awesome your reviewing quality was. Yeah. And it was solely solely based on how well your review quality agreed with other people. Right, so we calculate calculate that for some queues right now. We can do that for any queue where more than one person looks at each yeah. item, which isn't all of them. But even on the queues where only one person looks at the item, you could occasionally show two people the item in order to create statistical. Right, so we do, uh, you can for certain things. You have to be careful about that, and for example, the first posts queue, because you don't want to show that to multiple people because um, then, you, then you're skewing the system too much because they upvote it. If it's a if it's a good new post, no, only one percent of the time, and the second one gets ignored. It's just no, used no, to no. calculate whether the first guy oh, was being. We honest. just we don't we ignore your upvote. You yeah, can't ignore upvote. an action. That's kind of weird. We, we, we could do that. that that's yeah. a that's. But you're not you're not talking now about ignoring like them weighing in in the queue. That this in this case the action is is like a real world site action. Right. Some of you're your upvotes will not upvote. count <laughs> for reasons that are known to us. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> I know. It's a bit strange because you're being used. Thanks to for determine. thanks for validating that this should be upvoted. We have now retracted your upvote. I can see that. I can see the meta post now. Why didn't my? And the answer is on that day you were in guinea pig mode. <laughs> Nothing you did mattered. We were simply observing you to test others' accuracy. That's you know what that, this this happens so, in the SATs all the time, right? You're like, wait, I I got this question wrong, but I still got a perfect score. Like, well, that wasn't a real question. That was a test question that we're thinking about putting on a future test. I, I like the use case you've identified as the kind of problem someone might have in the yeah. SATs, which yeah. is like, I still got a perfect score. <laughs> Even though I know I got one wrong, this is like, this isn't like first world problems. This is like, it's like Harvard only problems. Eh? Yale, Yale. Okay, let's get it right. <sighs> let's go to, so the other new review queue item is um, the community evaluation review queue, which is turned on on Ask Ubuntu right now. Community evaluation. Yes. I don't even know what community means in that sentence. It barely means anything. In this is the judge your site. Oh, so we used to do this thing, site self evaluation. Yeah, right. We've always done the we've done these site evaluations for the last oh, year or so. Oh, it's now. Where the community team members would go into Meta and post yeah. ten random questions from the site and ask people to upvote them if they were awesome, downvote them if they were terrible, and do nothing if they were mad. So this is let me, let me explain the pur the purpose of this is to decide how well one of the Stack Exchange sites is doing. By, among other things, I mean, we look at the amount of traffic they get, the number of questions, the percentage answered. But what we really want to know is, are people writing awesome answers that become incredible resources for the internet? So what we used to do is have the community team pick a site, you know, some small newbie site, 
pick 10 questions at random. We had some app somewhere that generated a list of 10 questions. And then research the hell out of those 10 things on the internet and determine if we had a better answer than the rest of the internet or the best answer on the internet or just a sort of so-so answer or actually a worse answer that was making the internet worse. Right. So we decided to, instead of having the community team person go in and do that manually on Meadow, we've now made a review queue. And so the way this is going to work, at least the way we're planning it, is it will um, semi-randomly turn on every few months on a site for a couple weeks and people can go in there and review 10 questions and then it'll turn back off. Okay. And come back a, a bit later with 10 new questions. Yeah, the people are all saying that everything is excellent. Um, maybe they are kind of all excellent. So one of the things we found out is we need to try this on more than one site because Ask Ubuntu is a pretty high quality site. Hey, David, I clicked on history and I can see the history of how everybody voted on this review. Is that just that is me? because you're a moderator. Oh, okay, good. Phew! Because I was going to say this is good. Although even even that's rare, right? It's worth mentioning that uh, mods can't generally see individual votes, like votes on questions and answers, for example. Yeah, this may be developer only. This may be internal. I'm not even sure if moderators can see Well, it. review queue also is, I think, could be more public in this case, it's the community in, review It's queue. intended it's to be auditable. But votes are highly confidential. Uh, I don't see, I, I see some excellence. I see, sort of, I see sort of one guy who went through and voted excellent on everything. Yep. Um, but then <laughs> if you scroll down, you get some more satisfactory needs improvement. So yeah, there's the, a guy that voted satisfactory on everything. And this next guy voted satisfactory on most things. Yeah, they're not super consistent. Well, the, but the neat thing about this is instead of just having one human being look at 10 questions, we can actually have multiple people look at a lot more. You know, we can look at 20 questions or... And we can have a lot more people looking at them. Right. We can increase both samples. The number of questions we're looking at, which 10 actually can be, you can get a little bit of a weird noisy selection in 10, right? Um, but also the number of people who are actually participating in this on the meta sites is likely to be very easily surpassed very instantly by doing it in the review yeah. queue. I think, you know, David, I think we should make one change here, actually, and just in the instructions that we give people. Yep. I don't think it's clear enough that what we really want you to do is take this question and then research it on the internet using Google and whatnot, mostly Google. And I don't really want you to tell us this is an awesome answer or this is an okay answer, this is a bad answer. I want you to tell us, is this better, worse, or the par with what's out there on the internet, with, with other sites? Like, I, I need to, because that's kind of the goal here, is not just another round of upvoting, because we already have the round of upvoting. So that's what I thought as well. The, the people on the community team who have been doing these for months felt very strongly that that's not actually what we're asking people to do. Um, it's not... Well, that's what we should be. Totally clear to uh, me why, but they um they the, they felt the current verbiage. We we have the rated as excellent, satisfactory, or needs improvement. Yeah, and basically what we say there is we do we do talk about comparing it to other things on the internet. So so for example, excellent uh, vote excellent if this question is well written and has a clear, comprehensive answer that is far better than other available resources. Yeah, I mean it does give the right instructions, but I don't I don't think it emphasizes enough. Like in order to review this, you need to research this question yourself on the internet. And, and and maybe just the buttons, instead of saying excellent, satisfactory, needs improvement, should be like, you know, best answer on the internet. I mean, it's too many words. Um, satisfactory is like, you know, par for the course. And then needs improvement is like, you know, makes, making the internet worse. Destroying the good content on other sites. <laughs> this question makes the internet A, better, B, worse, C, no change. Unfortunately, we don't have the people uh, on the podcast who felt strongly about that. So I, I don't want to... Huh? represent their arguments but they, they, i don't know we had this discussion and and i was and i lost i, was I wasn't even there yeah basically well what you do at that point is you take a sock draw a face on it and put it on your hand and say this is joel <laughs> joel says <laughs> hold up the sock puppet 
Right, right. So they argued. I did. They. I did that. They argued with the sock. Yeah. And uh, and you lost. <laughs> no, no. The sock never loses. The sock is not there. The sock cannot change his mind because it is merely a sock. The sock kept well, scratching we, David's head. We and... voted, and uh, the sock <laughs> didn't have any hands. So, okay. So this is the community evaluation re- review queue coming soon to a site near you. Uh, in testing. Okay. Won't ever cool. be on Stack Overflow because that's um, Stack Overflow. We, we already awesome. know the answer. It's amazing. Uh, will be very important on kind of new small sites to get a sense of one, how do they compare to the rest of the internet? Two, how are they getting better or worse or same? What actions have ever been taken based on these? It's things? been very manual up to this point, right? The community team puts them on yeah. the sites and then the community team reviews the results and then they, you know, they go email and it to me. Maybe and, posts, and I have a filter set up that puts them in a folder. They go maybe post something on Meta saying, hey, you guys need to, or we decide to close the site down. You know, Six months we later. have closed a couple of sites. Yeah, it, I think it's um, in young sites, right? It helps us to add a sort of qualitative, if, even if it's just forcing us to go through the exercises, it, it forces a qualitative assessment yeah. of sort of separate from, don't you have these sites with lots of traffic and lots of stuff's happening, but it's not very good. It's not the yeah, depth we want. You know what? There's a couple of sites that have been in, they're going to kill me now, but they've been in beta for way longer than they wanted to. Oh, don't mention any names or we'll get angry emails. But one of the one of the reasons I think sites stay in beta for, for such a long time is that they just so much of the information that they have there is just below par for what the internet has about that subject. Sometimes. I'm envisioning sites they're, getting angry now who I would argue that's not their problem, that they're just not yeah. growing. They actually have pretty good oh. quality and they're flatlined. That's okay. That's, I like those sites. No, no, yeah, no. I'm just saying that's why. I'm never going to close one of those sites. Or That's why we haven't closed them. That's why they're still in beta. Sites that go on a long time but don't graduate, I think, are generally either growing decently in posts and visits and et cetera, yeah. but the quality hasn't hit something where you feel like it's a sort of uh, you know, step function improvement to what's available on the internet. Basically, if they don't have, yeah, if they don't have way better information than what's generally available on the internet, they're not going to grow. Right. Or we have sites that have good quality, that are improving the internet probably, yeah. but are not attracting enough participation to kind of get beyond a kind of flatlined level that we don't think is... Uh, I don't believe in that. Those will grow maybe slowly and maybe they haven't taken off yet, but they will. Like essentially, if you see a site where every single question there is like a gem of a resource on the subject... That site's going to grow. It just will. The sites that I see that are stuck are not growing. Yeah, the, the truth is that a site that's flatlined is really shrinking. Right. Because every day you're adding new, you have to be adding new questions, which should be you know, I'm, drawing I'm so new tempted to start in, naming so. names. That's right. Yeah. Let's name them names here. Oh, no. I, instead I think this of is that, a bad idea. what if, what if, uh, let's talk about hats. That reminds, names reminds me of hats. Have you seen one of those hats with a name hats? on it? Yeah, <laughs> we're going to talk guys, about let's hats. Talk about, the real, let's talk about the real thing. So I think, um, don't um, talk about you know these what, you know sites site, if you haven't spent time on there. You know what site Joel hates? He hates uh, the Facebook. He's against Facebook. It's one of the sites mm, he hates. Yeah. He used to hate Twitter, Oop. and then he liked it, and then he, and then he hates it again. I just named a site that wasn't ours. Okay. Talk about hats. <laughs> that worked? That's phenomenal. Hats. I don't know why you guys want to be so politically correct. It's on startups, for Christ's sake. Because, well, I don't care, but, but Jay's team... <laughs> Uh, Jay's team has that wasn't to. The uh, I thought you were going to offend. I thought has to deal with money. the angry you modern. It was be money, you know, right? you know the, the reason. I didn't think it was going to be money. The reason it is, it's money <laughs> and <laughs> Oscar. Those two sites, they have a lot of good content, but it's buried in a lot of content that is okay, but it's not the best content on the internet for that topic. And and also importantly, there are very hardworking users on those sites yeah. who yes. are trying, yes. who are really trying to make it work. That's right. And we want to help them. I don't disagree, I guess. But I think that the key thing on the thing I'd highlight on a site like Money, for example, is there there is very good content. They have crazy good competition, right? I mean, they're competing yeah. against like Motley Fool, 
right? I, that's, I, that's don't, know. I don't know how much I, I... Bloomberg. Think how many personal finance websites there are out there that have, you know, professionally written articles about the exact thing that they're talking about on that site that are, you know, just professionally written. So they're good. This deep, deep, amazing content yes. on everything that they try yes. to cover, which makes it very hard for them to be a top resource on those things. And on startups, similarly, is competing against some, some, some small sites, um, but also sites like Quora, I hate to mention, which just really does have pretty good content on startups because those are the only people that go there. And I think on startups also is a special challenge, not a problem, but a challenge in that it attracts questions that by their nature are highly subjective. subjective. And some it's of them are, it's just the, it's the Quora questions. model. The Quora right. model works better for the types of questions about yeah. startups. Right. So the, the types of questions people want to ask are, you know, why did this company do this? Or what should my company do in this situation? Right. So one, one of the best answers on Ask Startups, uh, I think, is you're, you're the, you wrote the canonical answer, right? Yeah. You had to split up equity. But let's just step back and forget that you wrote an answer to it. Yeah. On its face, what is the right way to split up equity in a company is so close to the probably should be shut down a subjective line. on. You know what I mean? It's a very... Well, it's not subjective. It's a, it's a little bit too ambitious, a little bit too broad. There's a bunch of reasons that would be likely to be closed until it attracts such a sort of authoritative or compelling answer, right, based on either the source or the quality of the response that you're like, this is awesome. We're so glad we have this. If you hadn't answered that, would that be open today? I don't know. I had to. I probably had to reopen it in order to answer it. (laughs) (laughs) Not to say that those are bad sites or anything. It's just that I do want to point out that I do believe that those are sort of stuck in beta because time after time I go to the site and I look at it and I'm just I sort of feel like, well, this is not the greatest resource on the Internet. For startups and or money in those particular. Yeah. Now, let me take another example because we then you were talking about sites that seem to be flat, and not really growing, but still have the quality. And uh, w- one example I, I think of is actually Judaism because I think every answer on Judaism is uh, a gem. Uh, actually, I mean, I think when I when I look at the questions there, I'm surprised by how good the answers are, and I think more often than not, they're the best answers on the internet on that on that subject. But it's still a very small site, especially compared to the size of the audience. Perhaps that's because it's not an audience that hangs out on the internet that much. But it is growing because anybody that goes to that site is going to say, wow, there's a lot of really good, useful, interesting stuff here. I'm going to come back. It's just a, an attractive site. It's got good stuff. And it's growing slowly. There's no question that it's very hard to see the, the moving average. Can I make a moving average over like a two-year period or something? Growing very, very, yeah, it sort of had a phase shift. Yeah, not growing very much. But it either will or that's just the audience doesn't really care. You know, the, the, the Orthodox Jewish community doesn't use the Internet for Judaism questions that much. Yeah, I, I got to go back. On money, I, I disagree. I don't think money is full of lousy questions. I think the quality, you have to understand, the scope is an interesting one, right, where yeah. it's designed for people who in their real lives are trying to learn about personal finance or investing issues. And you could argue it's too broad. It's You couldn't argue it's not broad enough. You could argue it's too broad. But I think there are relatively, I think, high quality questions if you accept what it's for. And the other places to get a lot of the same type of information require you to dig deep into a much narrower subset of experts who may not welcome you. Um, I think that, and that's part of its challenge, is they're having a, they they have a small number of people, I think, who are very, uh, very well-informed and answer questions well, but they're, what they're struggling to do is attract enough activity, enough new users in. Yeah. I would rather see say how many questions are there on on, on uh, money. So I got it up right here. Four thousand four hundred nine. I would rather see four hundred forty questions with ten times as much work put into each answer. Because what I see here is a lot of sort of like passable answers. You know, it, just as I click through on any a, a, anything, you, you see sort of you know, you know that's that's it's technically correct, but I don't see anybody trying to be exhaustive or or deep or provide like a really canonically amazing I resource. I think there's a I don't agree. 
I don't. Right. Th- I, it may not be as much as on Stack Overflow where people are trying to, you know, run out of their houses and, you know, sweep the leg or cut the Achilles tendon of a competitive answerer. Well, actually, I, I was just going to bring up Stack Overflow. You see the same. You don't see tons and tons of exhaustive answers. I mean, certainly as a percentage of Stack Overflow, your average answer is. That's fair. Here's a quick answer Look, that solves your a, problem. It's not, just a random question that I just clicked on. It was asked yesterday on personal finance and money. It's on money.stackexchange.com slash Q slash one eight four eight two. What's the fastest way I can raise my credit score from nothing? Okay, so that's an okay question. It's not a great question because it's not that precise. You know, it's, it's rather ambitious. But the answer here should be, there's, there's an answer here that has seven upvotes. It's not a bad answer. It's not wrong. But th- this could be like the world's most canonical list or amazing way to raise your credit score. Well, what's happening here is a conversation between two people. And actually, go this to Google. This is a 24-hour-old question, yeah, and know. it has a good answer, right? Is it, no, is it doesn't. A, I, go to Google and type raise credit score. Uh, you're going to get a lot could, of spam. We could play this game on any site, right? That if you That's pick, the game we're talking no, about. I know, but I think the standard you're applying look at this. here, look most at the, sites would fail. Look at the number one result on Google for raise credit score. It's something at www.myfico.com. The problem is that that kind of question is always going to have it's going to have 50 answers that have been somebody actually, you know, it was their job for a week to write the answer to that question. I know. So the long tail there is you have to go beyond the blogs, right? Stack Overflow goes beyond the blogs. It's stuff that nobody would bother to write a blog post about. Right. So what's that for money? Yeah. I don't know, maybe discussion of individual stocks, <laughs> I'm afraid to say. Yeah, I, uh, Joe, I don't think, you, uh, you don't have to scroll very far to find questions, I think. And is the question, Wait, is the- what I'm saying is yeah. that if you landed on the money site, you'd yep. be like, eh, you know, there's a million sites that have this information and it's better. That doesn't mean I want to close down the money site. Maybe I want to repurpose it. It doesn't mean I want to close it. It just means that for the purpose of evaluating the site, yep. we have to be honest and admit that no matter how hard they're trying, they have made a site that is a bunch of people chatting about money. It is not an amazing encyclopedia of money. And it is actually worse than other sites on the internet. So if you were trying to raise your credit score and you landed on that question, you would be less happy than if you landed on this que- this this site on myfico.com. Yeah, but I, I don't agree. I, the thing I don't agree with is I think that, that you'd need an extraordinarily long list of sites, some of which would not welcome or accept your question. You could argue the scope is the problem, right? That this site simply tries to accommodate too many types of monetary problems. I, I just think it's too much competition. It, but, I, mean, I think there's... It's not long tail enough. We do well in the long tail, and this is sort of not quite long tail. There's questions here, I think, where people... Like, there's a question I remember where someone asked about sort of wh- where should they st- where should they put their savings, right, that they get? Like, what's yeah. the order? And there were like three good answers, and they improved upon each other and kind of lumped up, and I think we, had, we wound up with a, a couple of very, very good answers. I wrote some long... before, I, Way before I worked, I wrote some long answers on options that I think were... They weren't better than what was findable on the internet, but they were more accessible to someone who had a specific options problem. So if you, have a spe- if you specifically want to know how to use options to, I remember I answered one to the trade on gold or something. Yeah. You can go to Options Express or other sites that are great and learn all about how options work. And then you can look up how but to But that find, detail won't be there. Right. You're doing an awful lot of work to learn the specific use case that is actually a sort of teachable thing for- Well, that may be the only way we can win with money is by saying, please stop asking, how do I improve my credit score? Because that stuff is generally, it's the equivalent of general reference. Or just don't work very hard on those questions because remember, our goal is to make the internet better. And when you point me to that question, like to your point, you're saying there's good places. To, so if someone took like three different sources that had different valuable information that were all better than our current answer on how to improve your credit score and amalgamated them yeah. on the site, that would be a net improvement, sure. right? Yeah, it's just got to be, listen, what I thought the site review process should be doing, since that's what we're talking about, is it should be telling me, for the average question on this site, would you rather be there or on some other site on the internet? 
And where do we rank compared to those other sites? Are we better than every other site in the internet? We're coming up first in Google because this is really where you want to be if this is your question. Or are we somewhere on the first page? Like, you know, okay, you know, we have a decent answer, respectable. Or in this particular case, are we just blown out of the water? There are 10 results in this Google search result page uh, about improving your credit score from Forbes, moneygirl.quickand30tips.com, money.msn.com, bankright.com, experian.com, creditinfocenter.com, usnews.com, and uh, cnn.com. So those are actually, Google has somehow done a pretty good job of getting rid of the improve your credit score spam, which obviously is uh, a big problem here. But I'll bet you everything on this Google homepage blows our answer out of the water. And it's not that that's not a well-meaning answer. And maybe it solved the original person's problem, you know, while they had their little conversation. But it's like, what is the point of us having somebody ask, how do I improve my credit score? And then having somebody else come along and say, well, you know, you could try uh, getting a credit card and paying every month. And that's it. You know, it's just like, that's not. No, that's right. It does not make the internet a better place. Let's stop doing it. Yes. So there there was just no way to answer this question. It's very unlikely that we were ever going to have the canonical answer for this question. I don't see why not. I would rather see the people that write answers just ignored 90% of the questions on there and just put all their effort into it. But this is not the question they should have put the effort into. All right, then close it. Because there's already good good resources on the internet. No, or the answer we, should just be, go read it. some of these why? other good resources. Why close it. Why would we close because this Because it is a attractive nuisance on the internet because anybody who lands on it is made sadder. They have wasted time on their way to solving their problem. There, there's a difference between what we're trying I'm to channeling Jeff optimize the site. Yeah, there's a difference between what we're trying to optimize yeah. the sites for and what our dreams are versus what are the things we really need to keep out with moats and alligators because they will ruin and destroy our site. This is going to ruin and destroy our site. Having a bunch of... Having a bunch of well-meaning but bad answers. But this isn't even a bad answer. You're yeah. like digging into this. You're, what you're saying is there are easy, relatively easily findable answers that may be superior. Okay, fine. I'll grant you that. <laughs> that's a bad answer. No, but it's, it's just a waste of time. It's yeah. we're all about getting you the right answer fast. It, you that's our that's our it, trademark. That's our brand. So that's I'm what sorry, we live would, for. Why would we close this question? We would close because this question because it's not making the internet better. But yeah. that's not a. The, we do not want that as a close reason. I, I'm tempted. <laughs> I'm going to go at it right now. So just to be clear, we're going to call it Joel thinks this isn't making the internet better. No, no, we we all admit that this is not making the internet better. You think that it's kind of nice and we are all special and everybody deserves a special badge, but that is not what Stack Exchange is about. But how do we make a rule there? What's the rule? I think the rule is that every once in a while we get together and we do a review of a site and the people rate their site based on how it compares to other sites on the internet and they take that to heart. Okay, great. We're going to do that. But do 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 we really want people armies of people to go around closing things as there's a better answer on the internet no no we do not and in fact i would actually argue that to the extent there's if if we could improve that answer slightly that would be a win even if it's a small improvement and i think if you think in the the extending out forever is there's there's also a place where i think there's answers that may there may be problems that have great answers in the internet where once a community becomes dominant right stack overflow should be the place to find every programming question and answer ever asked we're headed that way right right there's no reason that we shouldn't be just copying and trying to like content farm it but if we can improve it even a little bit well that that was the that yeah. in combination so with putting it all in one place is of great value. So here's one example for a good answer for that would be write a short paragraph, say basically kind of saying, here's some things you can do, and then here's some other resources to read for a bunch more information. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's just link checking. No, that's demand media. I don't want to excerpt. have that on our site. That's, that should well, not you be might actually, but no, no, not just that. As you as have to add something. As in, as in I agree. <laughs> it shouldn't just be link jacking. It should be. That's, uh, that's if there's another, If there's thing. another page out there that answers your question perfectly. Yeah. 
wh- what do we do? We close our question and uh, hope Google will put that first. No, but what if no, Google's no, no. not putting close that those, first? Either, either write a better answer or just leave it. You can leave it open in case somebody else writes a better answer. Right. But but the people right. that care about these sites should be putting all their effort into writing great answers that make the internet better, not what they feel are like answers that will satisfy this user. And I, I would I would say focus on two things. Either if you're willing to spend a day and write an awesome, well-researched answer to how to improve your credit score, more power to you. And then go close the 47 questions about credit scores that you have on your site as a dupe. This is probably 47 questions about credit scores. And ta-da, you, you just made the internet better and you made Stack Exchange better. But more likely, look for the questions that are long-tail questions where you can win, where right. there's actually it's hope too hard to write you'll those be answers. making the internet. Because that, that's really, that's really the provoked blogging model. Yeah, of, it, t- it takes more you work. You need to go write a whole, you know. We have an incredible number of answers this. like that on Stack Overflow. They're not the majority, right? But well, the majority the, of the answers. The thing, like, we have an incredible number of answers on Stack Overflow. And so just as a, per- you know, because these things are 0.1%, we have right. a lot of them. Yeah. But they're still 0.1% on every site. Right. So that means there's zero on many sites. We're not just the trouble is I, I, that's why I feel like money has more competition than than, than Stack Overflow, and so that's right. very hard for them. The problem is it, it, it is, is exactly it is this area of what what are questions that are interesting to a bunch of people, or at least you know a few hundred people, but are not well written somewhere on the internet. Those are the kinds of questions in, you need to look for. In the for. case of money, I think the answer. Well, I actually I'll give you my opinion for money and on startups because they're going to be listening to this and then they're going to be mad at me. But I think <laughs> the answer for money is that they have to go long-tailed. They have to look for very specific questions, which until now, I'll bet you they've been closing this too, lo- too localized. Like, they have to be things like, you know, how do I optimize for the, you know, I'm bankrupt in Florida, so I'm allowed to keep my house. How do I optimize my state taxes in that situation? You take something that's very, very... They have that. Yeah, you take very, very specific things. I think they do have that. And that's where we're gonna, we're, gonna, the- we're likely to win. And, and it could be individual stocks. It could be questions about, like, I'm thinking of buying this particular company's stock, and what should I be looking at? What does this mean in this annual report? Again, questions, look for questions where there's 100 or 200 people that care about it and it's not already on that's, the internet. But interestingly, that's, that's kind of a reason to just get rid of the two localized closeries entirely. Yeah, what a good idea. But I think that the trick with that, though, Joel, that goes back to my original point, is I think I totally agree with all, everything you said. They have some of those questions. I think, in fact, their challenge is they don't have enough people right. to cover that. So in other words, when you get into these crazy, and they have some some questions like that, that's like, yeah. in Canada, I have this problem, and they won't transfer the perspectives from the US to Canada um because yeah, canada is extremely esoteric in my mind um yeah <laughs> the, but what they don't have is i think a user base that is large enough there's a guy who's like i know everything there about are there are two people that yeah. is to canada right they have a small number of people that know an unbelievable amount very very broadly about and they have broad a things too small group that are experts in specific topics and I, I actually think the fundamental problem here is simply one that the competition isn't making them inferior as the implicit problem i think the competition is making it hard for them to attract enough active participants to, to be able to, to answer the long those hard questions. questions i think that, i true. think the qualities they may have to go decent, more good. narrow i mean maybe we need a narrower site maybe we need a site that's specifically about california tax code exotic options only yeah <laughs> I mean, we have quantitative finance but even that's kind of too broad i think it might be more attractive if it was just you know investing in real estate right or something much narrower so, uh, but do we have those experts? So let me move on to on startups, which is my theory about on startups actually is that nobody has ever figured out really how to ask objective, factual based Q&A questions about how you should um, run a business. Uh, you know, this is something that business schools have trouble with. And the way, way business schools decided is they just kind of caved and they said, we, there are no facts that we can teach you about a business. And so they use the case method where they just teach you stories about companies. These things you talk about them. and no one can argue with those facts. Because they, they actually did happen. <laughs> and then they don't tell you what the final conclusion of what happened was. 
the students to sort of present their own opinions you're, about what might have happened. You're essentially saying business school has recognized that any decent uh, database scientific analysis would yeah. probably demonstrate that business school is, is useless. And so instead, they've gone to a purely anecdote-based method exactly. of teaching. <laughs> they have. It's a 100% case method. For Harvard Business School is 100% case method. Because we all know method. if you accumulate enough anecdotes. And indeed, we you know who Joel has better startups questions than on startups.com? No. Yahoo who? Answers. Quora. No, Quora. Why? Because it's all stories. What happened at this company and who worked for this guy and what, what, what was it like to work for so-and-so and how much stock did this person get when they did that thing? Right. Well, it goes back to- you, case studies. Right. And you trust, you trust these subjective, relatively subjective questions much more when, again, they're describing something that happened, ideally from someone famous who describes when it happened to them. Yeah. It's still, it's still fact-based because it's a fact thing that happened. And, and it's not the same kind of fact-based as we really like, but the truth is that I think that what would cure startups is if it were on startups or startups.stackexchange.com, answers.onstartups.com. How many names does it have? Just I think two. what would cure it is uh, actually just recognizing that and saying, look, we're going to go with case studies and, and anecdotes. That's the best thing to do here. Don't ask, I need advice for my business in this particular situation that's too localized. Let's make a site where what you ask is what happened in this business when that happened. And let's just... Let's just tell stories about businesses and people can well, learn from why would Why wouldn't we just broaden it? Like, it seems strange. We're going to carve out the questions that we just generally think are closer to being answerable so we can focus on the ones that are less answerable. Uh, yeah. Well, may, and maybe Core is already doing it. I just want to throw that out there as my opinion. I think the problem with on startups is that there aren't real true false questions. And what it's become is one of these support group Q&A sites where you go there because you're also making a startup and you just sort of browse around and you're like, oh, I have an idea for how I might solve that. Or, hey, I'm facing this problem today. What should I do about this? And all anybody wants to do is tell you their story of their specific problem. And then everybody else wants to say, yeah, that sounds really hard. I had a similar thing. And right. then they tell you their story. And it's sort of like a like a, like, like Al-Anon. It's not really like a... Like that old an AA meeting. Thing. A, no one cares about your health except your relatives, and they're only listening politely so they can tell you about theirs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> this has been a wonderful podcast. Yeah, yeah, Alex yeah, wonderful. Hey, I'm not asleep. I've just been exceptionally productive doing actual work. What? Um, he's not doing actual work. I can see what he's doing. We didn't. We only got through one of the things on our list. What else do we have? Let's do one more thing, and then we'll we'll punt the, the rest till next week. Can we talk about? Nobody will have been listening this far that cares about. SSL. No, SSL will be even more boring than the rest. Um, uh, what else? Is it, do we, Let's uh, talk about SSL. No, no, is there something else on the list that at least the people that will have been listening until now will care about? If you just want to write in and tell us what you'd yeah. both like to hear about, we're prepared to respond. <laughs> That's correct. Taco's doing fine. It's my dad. He's the only <laughs> one that listens this far. Taco's fine. Jared's in Denver buying houses. And uh, what else? And Michael just had a baby. Oh, yeah. Michael hey, Pryor, Michael CFO. Pryor, our CFO, co-founder, and various other things, is uh, is out. He's in a uh, hospital. He just had a baby. His wife had a baby. I mean, I know it's politically correct to say that both people equally had the baby. Michael, I saw Michael she did, did nothing, a lot as far work. as I can tell. <laughs> Pretty he, much. He didn't. There was, there was, no, there was no pain on his, on his part. It was all empathy. Yeah, a baby girl named Riley, who is now 36 hours old. That's right. Congratulations, 40, Michael. 40 hours old. 12.09 a.m., yeah. not this morning, but the morning before. We could also mention the party we're having tonight. And we're having a victory party tonight to celebrate our victory over Hurricane Sandy. That's right. Woohoo! Um, I like how we describe it like it was a wrestling match, and we triumphed. And we triumphed over, over Hurricane, Hurricane Sandy. And we beat it back with a stick. Yeah. To be fair, Fog Creek and Squarespace did all the heavy lifting yeah, there. Yeah, we didn't really do it. Stack anything. Exchange just kind we of, of we, we just skipped town. No, yeah. we helped. Well, we helped a little bit, yeah. 
Well, ironically, the people who kind of did the most are not here and will not be attending the party. We That's didn't, true. We didn't carry true. any diesel fuel. No, no, a couple of stations. George, you're right. Carried. Sorry, George, George definitely chipped in a lot. But George, yeah, I mean, George did a lot. The two biggest helpers were like Dolgus and Craver. Yeah. They helped remotely. Pri- Michael Pryor remotely. was up for like three Which days. Turns Michael out Pryor works for that company. Michael Pryor oh, works right, for a phone sorry, you're right, you're right, stack exchange people. Turns out a good argument, again, for having a remote team is that one hurricane is unlikely to knock all of them out. Yes. So unless the hurricane already knows you Fog have a Creek sysadmins, two thirds of Fog Creek sysadmins were off the grid. All of stack exchanges were, well, three out of four were connected. Yep. All right. Excitement. I think we're done. Um, uh, okay. So if you tune in next week, you'll hear about hats. You'll hear about our victory over SSL what? or our struggles with SSL. Yeah. We're, we're still in initial planning. If phases. we win, if we win over SSL, we can have an SSL victory party. And once again, all the people that did all the work will not be there. We should reframe every project as like a, a fighting Actually, we should do, something. we should talk about our, uh, our, our victory over Germany. All right. Again? Actually, in a few weeks. Okay, was that? It, it, no, no. The careers team is, uh, is waging a new struggle in, with, uh, the German, the German language, not the German nation. That's, that's right. In minutes, we will have careers 2.0 for Stack Overflow all translated into German. By the time you hear this, it will probably be out. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. And we'll be taking credit cards that are that have German letters on them and stuff. Yeah, euros. Because they don't have their own money euros anymore. For the first time. This, is, this is exactly what everyone was afraid of in the 40s, that eventually Stack Overflow would be speaking German. Have their own money. They just do the euros. Oh, it's Germans, Germany's money. It's You're right. Germany. Yeah, it really is Germany's money. But by the way, technically, a Stack o- Exchange, we really we just haven't... just two French listeners. We... we <laughs> We haven't achieved victory over Sandy yet, given that our servers are still stuck in our old data center thing. We were never in an opportunity uh, yes. to achieve victory. This is this is like this is like coming in after like like yeah. a Rocky fight and he's been beaten down and you like clean up the blood and you're like, I beat Apollo Creed. <laughs> you really beat Sandy at anything. No, what you don't understand is that Rocky won just by showing up. Well that's that a, the lesson that of that thing? movie. The first movie where he doesn't win. Oh, spoiler. Wait, he Oh man, I'm totally gonna watch that movie this week. Rambo. I was thinking of Rambo. That's why none of this made any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Rambo is a very different movie. Joel's Joel like, wait. Please, at what point? At what point? End this. At what point is his mom going to shoot if the other person doesn't stop at Rocky? I don't quite understand when this occurs. You're talking about boxing, and no one's mom shooting anyone. All right, end it, Joel. <laughs> Call it. This one's dead. This is this is the end for the. For those of you that are still listening, you really have to have to subscribe to some better podcasts. I recommend you look nice today, not safe for work. And I'm Joel. You've been listening to Jay and David. This is Stack Exchange Podcast, episode 27. Please don't no. join us next week. We won't be here. 37. Episode 38 in two weeks after Thanksgiving. Have a nice Thanksgiving, everybody. Gobble, gobble. See ya. Bye. 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 Woof. Bye. for nothing. Or die or something. Is that Siberian Husky? Siberian Husky say, I've heard Taco Bark. What? Good story. Oh, <laughs> cool, cool story, bro. <laughs> This one time, I was at this place with a dog, and he barked. I was right there. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I was right next to him when it happened.